0: it's time for the Fontenelle final bell on the rural radio network i'm clay Patton. joining us to talk the trade today zane abner of trade zane we thank you for joining us today and i'm glad i get to talk to you today versus having to do final bell up to this point this week because we actually get to talk about grains on the green side of things let's talk there and start with just this ending overall a fairly decent day following the WASDIA report
1: yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having us on here today. And um, yeah, just like you mentioned, we' finally nice to see a little bit of green across the board. Um, you know, generally speaking from today's WASDE report on the corn side, um, it was a little more positive on that side, but a little more mixed bag for soybeans, a little more negative on that side, unfortunately. Um, you know, today's report was pretty anticipated because obviously we have rounds of tariffs that are the first round of tariffs in place. And so this is kind of a best guess from the USDA on the impact of these tariffs. And specifically on the soybean side, and that's where you've seen your major adjustments. Um, looking at your ending stocks domestically for new crop, they um, raised you know from the average estimate of 482 million, they gave us a number of 580 million. So that outpaced expectations by you know just about 100 million, which was not supportive, of course. Um, and on the old crop Indian stocks on soybeans, though, we did actually um, decrease a little bit from our previous report. Um, they're using a number of 465 million for soybeans per. Um, old crop ending stocks. And then you jump into your world numbers on soybean side, and they kind of blew the doors off, unfortunately, on the higher-than-expectation side. You know, looking at old crop world grain ending stocks, used at 96 million metric tons, and then we're looking at 98.3 on new crop soybean ending number. And corn was just the complete opposite. You know, pretty much everything came in below your average estimate um, from our estimates coming in the report. You know, domestically, we're looking at um, new crop ending stocks of so one552 billion versus a 1.716 number and I know people have been throwing that 180 bushel number out there on corn and maybe it's realistic Um, we'll kind of see how things finish up here over the next few weeks and finish up pollination Um, if we did bump that yield from a 174 is what the USDA was using today if we do bump that to 180 I believe that adds about 370 million to our production which puts this, still puts this below 2 billion bushel out. So probably even at those type of numbers, you know, it still feels like probably that 340 December corn number still may be a little bit undervalued. And looking at your stocks-to-use ratio in the world, um, we're seeing the lowest stocks-to-use ratio since, uh, like, 1973-1974 crop year. So, uh, yeah, on the corn side, you know, we'll kind of see how um, the focus on weather and weather forecast here kind of finishes the month of July and through pollination and Maybe once we finally get through this type of report, our first report after tariff situations kind of got kicked in, if maybe the trade will start to focus a little more on fundamentals and weather. But obviously, our political issues are still going to probably be in the headlines, and unfortunately, they've been more negative than anything lately.
0: And Zane, as we take a look there, and let's briefly touch on China here because, again, it is that big market story of the week. Our, our ending stocks here, our global stocks on soybeans, are being adjusted upward because China's not wanting to come to the U.S. to buy those beans. But when you look at it in a more global fashion, China still has to go somewhere to buy those beans. So is China expecting just to use fewer beans overall, or are they expecting to source those from somewhere else?
1: Well, it does seem like they're trying to actually scale back their usage a little bit, just as a nation. Um, but it looks like I think they're going to try and source their beans elsewhere which you can probably get into all kinds of different theories of, you know, our beans still might end up in China, I guess. But, our you know, our soybeans here domestically in the world are, are very, very competitive and actually cheap versus like a, a soybean um, coming from Brazil. Uh, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shapes up here over the next few weeks and before we get to that fourth quarter, which I think looking at projections, um, by, by the time we get to the fourth quarter of the year, it just if China doesn't buy anything from us, it more or less, the way it appeared i guess on some of your numbers that you know your south american production will be pretty well depleted
0: so then as we take a look here again this the Wazdia report showing some somewhat bearish numbers especially on the bean side then over there on the wheat though really we didn't see a whole lot of spike up there is that playing into still again lower european production lower black sea production and lower u.s production
1: Right, yeah, and I think you. we've had a fair amount of focus or probably negative production numbers coming from overseas. You know, we had a cut in uh, France's production like 4 million metric tons here about 10 10 days, two weeks ago, and that gave us kind of a spike in the wheat market here. Um, You know, that day, that was towards the end of the week. But, you know, when our crop condition report came out the other day and, you know, our, our spring wheat number... Um, I think our good to excellent was 80% good to excellent versus uh, 74% that was expected. So that sort of put a little bit of pressure on the market along with, of course, that overnight headline of the second round of tariffs, of course. Um, But, yeah, that definitely plays into focus on other markets. Um, You know, we've had on the corn side even, you know, they decreased some of your production estimates like in Ukraine and Russia, and that kind of goes along with your wheat production also.
0: And then let's look at, it at outside at global markets here. Let's kind of focus on the currency trade just for a quick minute. The U.S. dollar saw some safe haven buying yesterday following the announcement of the latest round of tariffs. What do you really see in the U.S. dollar? Is that hurting U.S. grains?
1: Yeah, and your correlation, of course, with currency. You know, the, the higher value that our dollar is, um, the harder it is for our our goods to be sold overseas. So if we have a cheaper currency valuation versus your international currencies, then it makes our exports cheaper. So if you see some pressure on the U.S. dollar, um, that usually helps commodity prices in general. As you see a rise in the U.S. dollar, then it usually has a negative correlation. It just makes our exports a little more expensive in the world.
0: Again, we're talking with Zane Abner of trade-offs here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. And on our first segment, we've discussed the WASDI again, a report that while some deem some of these stockpiles somewhat bearish. We've actually seen a little bit of a turnaround and more grain in our ending grains. As well, corn and soybean yield not being adjusted up from the USDA June WASDE report. Now, that is very typical of the USDA to do that, but some are wondering what happens if they do bump up that corn yield. Coming up in the next segment, we still talk a little bit more outside markets as well as cattle and hog and a risk management strategy. This is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Re- Welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton. Again, joining us to talk the trade today, Zane Abner with Trade Ons. And Zane, in our last segment, we focused a lot on the grains and the trade tensions that we see going on globally with the latest Wazir report out today and new tariffs against Chinese goods. Now let's move on over to the livestock side. And really, livestock also seeing a very positive day. Cattle and triple-digit gains, hogs as well. Overall, what do you see in the livestock trade?
1: you know right now um, we had a big washout yesterday just kind of across the board on a fair amount of different commodity sectors you know just kind of a fear of you know on, on the meat side of that we're just gonna have a a lot more pounds here to absorb domestically but you also on the, on the Packer side of it, we still got positive margins. Um, you know, looking at cash versus your board, you know, last week, um, we're trading 112 to 114 cash and, you know, your board was settling in that 106 to 107 range. So, so for this, for the middle of July, we're seeing very positive basis in the cash market. So as a hedger, that's an, a very, very awesome added benefit there. And even, even as a producer that's open, You know, the Packers um, have a fair amount of money still locked in as far as good positive margins, so they're passing some of that along to our feedlots, you know, in the form of positive basis. You know, yesterday the big thought again was just fear of demand and loss of markets. You know, so far, I guess, you know, things have still been kind of, the demand side has still kind of been there, uh, but again, there's always that fear, I guess, of what if and um, if this situation does occur and where is this extra meat going to go.
0: You know, you were talking about basis there, and really we've seen some historically wide basis between that live cattle contract and the cash being paid. Some wondered if they wouldn't meet when we went through this proverbial wall of cattle in June into July, but we're still seeing this large basis. What is keeping cash from going down to where the board is, or what's keeping a foot on the board from going up to where cash is?
1: Right. I, again, I think it's a kind of a situation of, uh, I don't know, our demand is, has been there, um, you know, and the beef is moving. Um, and, again, I think your Packers, and we've had, you know, positive margins on the Packers' side for a long time, but I think they have such a healthy margin that so far, you know, they haven't been too terribly afraid of, I guess, passing that on. And we've, this positive basis, really for about two years now, we've probably been exceptional type numbers. You know, last year, 2017, and that May, May time frame is usually your hottest basis numbers for live cattle or finished animals. You know, we were seeing stuff in the mid-teens and now you jump to this year and that was crazy last year and this year we jump up and see 20 plus dollar positive basis. So, I mean, it's just, it's kind of knock on wood. You know, that's a kind of a wonderful environment to be in, especially again from a risk management or hedger perspective.
0: And then, Hogs, are we finally maybe getting to somewhere where we can find a steady bottom to maybe go up a little ways?
1: Right, we are, again, very, very oversold on that side. And, you know, the impact of our tariffs, you know, imposed on us by China and mostly Mexico, you know, between China and Mexico, they represent, I think, about 40% of our export on the pork side. And so I think as these tariffs have kind of come into place and more talk, right, China and Mexico both ratcheted up their percentage on, of tariffs on pork from the United States. So that's been very negative, of course, especially for your deferred months. And you know, we're already looking at a record high production number for the second half of the year. So again, it's just back to the question of, you know, what are we going to do with this extra uh, you know meat supply that we're gonna have to absorb domestically?
0: Let's talk about other markets that have seen big moves and that is the crude oil market almost seeing a four dollar sell off yesterday. Is that something the producers should be concerned about just as an overall feel of the commodity trade?
1: Yeah, you know that market um, is, is volatile just in itself. I mean, you'll see the crude, see crude oil move a dollar or two in a day. I mean, it happens. I'm not going to say anything below a dollar is a slow day, but it just seems like when you have so many international markets involved in something, and especially when oil is such a big part of a, an area, that's maybe a little bit always on edge. It just creates a lot of volatility. And yes, you know when you're seeing some of those outside markets drop significantly like that, it doesn't help you know grains or livestock I mean it's not gonna have a direct 100% one for one correlation but it doesn't help the grain side of it
0: and then Zane final question from a risk management perspective is this again a hold and wait time for producers or is this one to be actively engaged watching and maybe putting a plan together
1: you know from a grain standpoint where we've kinda moved outside of soybeans you know corn usually once you hit the first of July um, you should have a majority of your your corn forward sold or protected in some fashion or form and then if we don't, aren't seeing really adverse weather, I think the statistic is 70%, 76% of the time we uh, move into uh, declining prices into harvest. Um, on the soybean side though, seasonally, um, you know, July, August still represent opportunities just because they're, you know, a little different growing stages in corn. So, you know, if something were to happen on the political side, um, you know, we, we could see a quick rebound. Obviously with the political environment that we're in, it's just a different year. Um, I think right now, probably what you're going to focus and focus on is on your open bushels that you are probably in a certain way, especially if you have storage. You know, if you don't have storage and you have some bushels that are open going into harvest, it may be a situation where you look at some type of reownership. Um, you know, you might be even but go out to July of 19 and look some look at some values and some options to have something out there in place for that grain that you may have to let let go at harvest at not so whippy prices.
0: That's Zane Abner joining us talking the trade today. Zane with TradeOS. If you'd like more information, visit gotrados.com. This has been the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.
1: You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.